This week on the Recruitment Flex, my dad brings back a virus from Vegas. Layoffs at LinkedIn is Moonhub. A moonshot? Students deal with expectations versus reality. TRF with my dad and Shelly starts after this message from Van Hack. Hey, Shelly, do you remember the days of being in corporate talent acquisition? Oh, absolutely. Every time the phone rang, it was another staffing agency claiming to be innovative and different. I used to wonder when someone would truly elevate the industry. Well, hold on to your hat here because that's exactly what Van Hack has done. Shelly, picture this. A closed community of pre-verified tech talent ready to relocate to Canada with all the paperwork taken care of. Sounds too good to be true? Well, not anymore. Van Hack has made it a reality. They have built the community of skilled software developers eager to make the move, and they handle the entire immigration process. And that's not all. They're taking it up a notch. Companies with offshore development teams, listen up. Van Hack's introducing the Canadian Engineering Office. Move your entire dev team to Canada, and Van Hack handles all the nitty-gritty details of immigration and relocation. So can you imagine, Serge? The applause from your CIO if you were to walk into his office and bring this solution to the table. Shelly, every time I walk into an office, I get applause. But that's not all. (laughs) The best part is they've got certified immigration consultants on board who've done this countless times. They understand that every family situation is unique. Revolutionize the way you recruit, relocate, and retain talent because when it comes to innovation in the talent acquisition world, Van Hack is leading the charge. Get ready to be the hero of your company. Check out vanhack.com today. Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Bonjour and welcome to the Recruitment Flex. Shelly, we're back from Vegas. How are you feeling? I'm feeling just 100%. I'm still on cloud nine, but I don't think the same can be said for you. (laughs) What happened? Well, you know, when you came back from Nashville and you Mm -hmm. got sick, I guess exactly the same thing happened to me. We got back on Friday, was it? Yeah. And then it started hitting me Sunday and Monday. I was completely knocked down. It's not COVID or anything. I think it's just cold. We met a lot of people and then being in the plane. I haven't been sick in a while. So true. But yeah, I'm feeling better today. There we go. I got the Vegas flu or the Vegas (laughs) cold. I'm sorry to hear that. And actually, I think I know where you got it from. Where do you I think know I exactly got it from? where you picked this up? It was the uh, Pinball Hall of Fame. When you think about it, it's all like transferable, germy, and that's probably where you got it. I, I actually drove past the place. It was like totally sketch. It's like this huge building out in the middle of this enormous parking lot. And I'm like, whoa. It it was fun, but you're probably right because I touched a lot of things and there were some sketchy individuals in there. So could be, could be anywhere, you know, you never know. I missed a shout out last week and I know we recorded when we were still in Vegas, but 
on the Wednesday night of HR Tech, I just wanted to send a big shout out to Matthew Feldman, who is my national account manager at Indeed. He and I had the most spectacular dinner. So I just wanted to say, thanks, Matthew. I was so glad that we had that opportunity to meet face to face. You and your Indeed acolytes there. Mm-hmm. Is that mm-hmm. what we should call them? Indeed. Yeah. You love your Indeed folks. Yeah. Matthew, I thanks do. for taking out Shelly for dinner. Uh, because Surge at home. Yes. I did the mm-hmm. Pinball Hall of Fame. Then I did the Greenhouse Party. So I was busy. Mm-hmm. I did miss you like always. But uh, mm-hmm. it oh, feel, does it feel weird this week? Because we spent pretty much the whole week together last yes. week. Yes, yeah. I was having a little bit of surge withdrawal because we really do travel well together. And it's nice to have my buddy with me. So, Any FOMO on Unleash World? I'm sure you've seen all the pictures in Paris and pretty <laughs> much everyone that was at HR Tech seemed to take a flight directly to Paris mm-hmm. and be there. It looks like a really cool conference. I'll tell you that. It does. I got a little bit of FOMO when I was seeing Joel Cheeseman's posts. But then not really, because there is a bed bug infestation (laughs) in Paris. And that's enough to keep me away. There's no FOMO at all. What about you? No, just a thought of because if I would have flown to Paris, I would have been sick this whole week. And, you know, a week is enough for me. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. mind traveling, but I'm a very happy home person or homebody. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad I'm home. I'm with the girls. They're keeping me busy. But yeah. So I want to tell you, there was an event that I went to on Sunday. I've been a mentor volunteer with Young Women in Business here in Calgary. And the Calgary chapter president, her name's Sierra, just so impressive, very bright. And the group of us were having a conversation. And so I asked the question, do you think there will ever come a day when resumes aren't part of the hiring process? And Sierra chimes in and she said, I was actually hired at Scotiabank and right up to the final interview, they'd never seen my resume. So I was like, really? Tell us more about that. So she was one of the first cohorts through Scotiabank's campus recruitment program where Scotiabank used the plum assessment tool. And she's absolutely thrilled to be working on the trading floor And one of three women now in what was previously all men. Hmm. So just thought that was super cool because the topic was like, will we ever really be able to hire without bias? It's a pretty big coincidence, right? Like we just spent a week with Plum, then you go to an event on Sunday and Mm -hmm. exactly that comes up and she was hired through Plum Assessments. And how else do you hire people with no experience, right? I think this is a perfect example. Plum or tools similar to Plum's, I I think is the next generation of how we will hire entry-level people. Or early career. Early career, exactly. Like all categories, actually, when really, how do you decide other than your GPA or your last name? Mm. What other factors could you possibly have? Anyways, I thought it was great. And it was a big discussion at the table. I was sat with six very impressive young women. It was great. We had a really nice time. How far off do you think that we will hire people without resumes? 
I believe we're probably within the next five years. Really? Like mm-hmm. at a large scale or yes. just really? Yeah. What we already know is that if you're going to use ChatGPT to write your resume, and we use ChatGPT to write the job description, we're going to come to this collision of, wait a minute, <laughs> how is this helping anything? Right? I do believe certainly within the next five years. Oh, I think you're being extremely optimistic at a large scale. I think we're going to see it in larger companies in early career and specific roles. Mm -hmm. But I think it's going to take a really long time to convince hiring managers, recruiters for HR departments, like the resume has been the guiding principle document. And I I agree, the resume is flawed, and it's going to get even less relevant with chat GPT, as you mentioned. But your experience is your experience and ChatGPT can't replace that. True, true. The reason I believe it's five years, Serge, is when I look back over my career, which has been lengthy in recruitment, Really, um, lengthy. there's always a tipping point and it's usually not driven by us in, in the industry. It is driven by business and it, it's kind of like business FOMO, I would say is where you realize that all your competitors are doing something different. That's the tipping point. And then it goes very quickly. Like within two or three years, everyone is doing it. And Mm. I've seen it happen time and time again throughout my career. So I think we're very close. We're within five years. I will put money that we're not, but let's check back in five years. (laughs) So Shelly, I want to jump into the news. Okay. And I hate news this week. Yeah, I hate talking about layoffs, but there's a couple of big layoffs in our industry mm-hmm. that I, I think are noteworthy. So LinkedIn, LinkedIn lays off uh, 668 position across the company's engineering, product, talent, and finance department. So this comes after they did layoffs in May, which was around 716 employees. Mm-hmm. So LinkedIn said it's restructuring the company and streamlining our decision making. Any surprises, Shelly? What's your thoughts here? No, I'm not surprised. I think they probably need to streamline and relook at why do we need so many people unless they have big plans to do something really innovative, which I gave up hope on that years ago. I think you're right. I think this is what we're seeing across a lot of tech companies. There was Mm -hmm. a ton of talent hoarding from these large companies, the fan companies, LinkedIn as well. They hired a lot. And they're realizing they can actually get a lot more done with a more streamlined workforce. So not surprised. I don't see as a downside to LinkedIn, but it's interesting to watch because that is around 12, 1300 people in the last couple of months. So they're definitely doing something. And to your point, I hope they're doing this so they can streamline and actually come out with new innovation that works. (laughs) But on that note, talking about... Another layoff, Stack Overflow is laying off 28% of his staff. Not that surprising because the company actually doubled their size in the last couple of years. And we were talking about talent hoarding. That's exactly what they were doing. They were looking for as much talent and being like a lot of tech companies, maybe a little over zealous about the potential in the market and just mm-hmm. kept hiring like crazy thinking the world was just going to keep growing in the tech sector. So not that surprise mm-hmm. that they're laying off. Any thoughts here, Shelly? 
I think it does line up with the mistakes that so many tech firms had made. What I appreciated about the statement coming out from the CEO was that he admitted that 45% of the hires that they made in the last 12 months were go-to-market sales teams. Hmm. And I think the biggest mistake companies make is thinking that sales is easy. Yes. It's not. And it was easy for them to maybe recruit developers and to think that translates into sales. It doesn't. They ended up with a lot of baggage and a lot of people who thought this is going to be so easy. I'd love to be a sales rep for a company like Stack Overflow. And I think reality hit them. I think you're right. They assume, hey, if we double our sales team, we're going to get double in sales. And that has not happened. So I think they're just right sizing. Yeah. And one last thing. So I saw an article in NPR talking about the increasing reliance on AI headshots. And it was a really interesting article because it, it talks a lot about the new people coming into the workforce. They're leveraging AI and there's tons of these tools. Basically, you take 20 pictures, uh, upload it, and then you get some AI headshots. And I can tell you, I have looked into this and there's someone very close to me that the headshots were amazing. And I thought this is great, like $10, $20 it costs for these headshots. We got like 50 of them. Some were really wonky. Like You have three ears and one eye is blue, the other one's green. But overall, was able to find some quality pictures that are being leveraged right now. What's your thoughts on using AI for your headshots? I'm glad you had a good experience because Leah and I both tried it and it was a disaster. Oh my God, it was so bad. It was laughable. Yes, it was only 10 bucks, but you get what you pay for. Honestly, they were so bad, Serge. I dug a hole and buried them. They were so bad. It was like, this doesn't even look like me. Like it generated these pictures that made me look younger. And I have no problem with my age. I don't want to look like I'm 20. Um, I'm not trying to catfish anybody. Like, Jesus, that's what I think of with these generative AI headshots. I'm not a fan. It's got a long ways to go. And and I know Leah did the same thing and we were both like this. I saw Leah's and they were hilarious, but then I saw other people's and they're great. You know what? I'm noticing some of them in LinkedIn profiles and I'm like, mm-hmm. I get it. it. It makes a lot of sense if it works and it really looks like you, some of these shots look great. So why not try it for $10 instead of spending 500, a thousand for headshots? No, nobody spends that on a headshot. How much is a headshot? I don't even know. Bucks. Like you could even go to the place that takes passport photos. Oh, I'm sure but those again, are great headshots. Hey, you get what you pay for. Yeah. So do the um, $10. Moving on. Let's talk about the tip of the week. I had some great opportunities when we were at HR Tech to pick up some new reading materials. So the tip of the week is this. Just shut your computer screen off. Stop reading off your phone. Pick up a book. So I wanted to recommend two of my favorite books. One is new, so still reading, but I think every recruiter should read The Talent Fix by Tim Sackett. The other one is a book that we just were gifted, Hiring Humans by Craig Fisher. I'm reading that right now. Serge, what do you want to add to your recommended reading list? I agree. I think The Talent Fix is a really good book, especially for recruitment managers, talent acquisition leaders, more Mm -hmm. than maybe a recruiter, but still really good. 
And I haven't read Craig Fisher's book, but I have it and I'm going to read it. It's a really quick read from what I can see. It's a small book. And Craig is obviously a pioneer of this industry, knows a lot, has gone through the ringer. Uh, A couple of books that I feel like every recruiter should have, and I know you maybe disagree with this one, but Full Stack Recruiter should be a companion book to recruitment. I'm a big fan of Jan and that particular book. Robot Proof Recruiter by Katrina Collier is a classic in this industry. Definitely think as a recruiter, you should read that one because it really focuses on the key points of how you differentiate yourself, especially in the world of AI. And obviously this was written before AI, but I think it's still very relevant. So I think those are great books. I've been reading a lot of books, Shelley. I think I'm on book 25 this year, which I wanted to actually read more. And I've been reading a lot more autobiographies. I think those are fascinating. So yes, get away from your computer screen, read some more books. But if you're looking for recruitment books, those books that we just mentioned should be on your list. Yep, absolutely. Thank you for adding those. Good call. Let's jump into the recruitment insights. Sounds good. Let's start with a really interesting report that is done on an annual basis, and it's the Global Staffing and Recruitment Market Scope. What was interesting was the forecast for what is the value of the market size in US dollars in 2022, and then what are they predicting that the market size value is going to be by the year 2030? they were predicting a 12.7% growth. This is, again, global staffing and the recruitment market. In 2022, it is recorded at $683 billion is how big it is globally, the industry. They actually expect that by the year 2030, the industry will be worth $1,778 billion. That is a 12% increase from 2022 to 2030. And what they pointed to was automation. Automation within the staffing and recruitment market around the world. Now, on the first pass of reading this article, I thought, that doesn't make any sense. But when you realize that traditionally, the staffing industry was very slow to adopt technology. What we focus a lot on is corporate recruitment. And we know that they are always looking for efficiencies because it's part of their bottom line. So interesting forecast. And I just wanted to share that with you. Yeah. So this includes like contingency, RPO, perm placement, includes Mm -hmm. basically the whole industry when it comes to staffing. Mm -hmm. And I don't really believe it. I think it's actually going to go the opposite way. I get why they predicted it. But as you mentioned, I have not seen any sign that staffing firms are quickly adapting technology in any way. Like how many HR tech or any shows, like how many staffing people do you see there? They they just don't show up to those types of events. And working in the staffing industry, I can tell you, they are very stuck in their old ways. And if you just look on LinkedIn, they still think the phone is the king to what they do and how they approach it. They still post and pray. I don't know. I think AI and automation is going to replace a lot of what staffing does because it's going to give additional tools to internal and corporate staffing teams. I see it going the opposite way. I see staffing becoming 
less and less important. And I know we have a lot of staffing recruiters listening to this thinking surge is wrong, but I'm not seeing a lot of adoption of new technology or even process or systems from staffing. And, and this is maybe in a bubble a little bit. So mm-hmm. I might be completely mm-hmm. wrong with larger organizations, but I think that's one of the things they're pointing to. I don't believe, certainly between now and the year 2030, I do see an increase in reliance on contingent staffing. Mm. And uh, especially here in North America. Yeah. Even if you look at who's advertising, who's doing the recruitment, I've got a client who's not a huge organization, like they've got about 1,200 people, and they were trying to staff in their manufacturing floor. And they were struggling to get any sort of traction with their own recruitment, branding, advertising. They ended up hiring hundreds of people through a staffing firm. I think what this report is telling us that staffing firms are maybe getting more efficient. Mm. And I see a trend too. I, I believe it's every seven to 10 years, we just throw our hands in the air and like recruiting's too hard. Let's just hire an RPO or a contingent staffing company and let them deal with all these headaches until they start looking at the invoices. And then it shifts back and then we see in-house recruiting. So I think what this is predicting is that employers are just going to go, fuck it, honest to God, I'm not going to do recruiting anymore. Take this headache off my plate. You know what? I think I'm going to retract what I said because I did not think about contingency and how how it's going to be leveraged even more as we move forward because thinking about the gig economy and how people work and short-term contracts, longer-term contracts, it, it might be a lot more attractive and companies can see it because they can plug and play as needed. I still don't think that staffing is adopting technology as it should, but I think contingency is going Fair. to keep growing which you're probably right, actually, now that you're saying that. So good point, good point. Talking about technology and recruitment and AI, I found a really interesting article about a company called Moonhub. So Moonhub is an AI-driven recruiting startup. We've talked a lot, Shelly, about will AI replace recruiters? And I think it's going to replace a big aspect of recruiters' jobs. But here is what Moonhub is trying to do. So Moonhub uses AI to discover and reach out to potential candidates who may not actively be job hunting, but could be interested in your new opportunities. And what they do is they've trained it. Their AI recruiter is trained on a vast database of over 1 billion public profile from platforms like LinkedIn, Upwork, GitHub, Google, Stack Overflow, and Twitter. The company employs a custom retrieval augmented generation framework. What the fuck is that? To enhance the chatbot's response. Basically, it, it kind of works like a co-pilot. And they do have clients. They have over 100 customers. And mm-hmm. it varies. Obviously, tech is their n- number one sector. But they're also working with companies outside of the sector. And they're selling it that they're going to be doing everything. And there's a couple of concerns reading it, which is we have a vast database of over a billion public profiles. Where are you getting those profiles? Because obviously, when we think about a billion public profiles that are work, a lot of them are coming potentially from LinkedIn. And we know how that's worked out for people scraping LinkedIn profiles, and they've been sued, and they're no longer existent. 
And as I was reading a little bit more in depth, is someone that was actually a recruiter and is also a PhD, obviously a very smart person that's been able to build this tool to how they're selling it. It's going to replace recruiters completely. Uh, you just have to get the software and your recruiting is done. It's going to do everything from find the candidates, basically everything but the interviews, which I'm thinking, yeah, good luck with that. That's not going to happen anytime in the near future. What was your overall thoughts reading this, Shelley? Do you know, just coming back from HR tech, this is kind of ringing some bells for me because I talked to a few other vendors who also have this claim of 1 billion profiles. Yeah. And so when you think that LinkedIn has 950 million profiles, there's only 330 million people in all of the United States of America, a billion profiles, like how many foreign countries are you reaching into? Across the world, right? Fair enough. Fair enough. But how is that going to help me as a recruiter? So they're saying the AI is trained on these billion profiles, but I don't know. It sounds like a very fantastical claim to train the AI on these profiles. I think this is the part of AI that makes everybody really fucking nervous because it's a wild ass claim. And what are you teaching it other than there's a lot of people in the world? Yeah, it doesn't really. it, It makes me nervous. It doesn't really line up. I think there is a lot of just claims here and I would love Uh to try it actually. So if anyone from Moon Hub wants to give us a demo, I I would love to see it, but I'm very skeptical. Uh, I'm not saying there's not going to be a tool that will come out that will do pretty much everything they're saying here. I just don't trust that uh, there's too many red flags with this particular thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, there's, there was something else that we saw become more prevalent. I wouldn't say it was a theme or a trend, but something that I'd like to start researching, investigating more is something called talent experience platforms. I love that we've created another new category. (laughs) (laughs) I really do, but it's really just something that encompasses the entire applicant journey when applying for a job. And it's certainly going to make the candidate experience better, which is something we know is broken, terribly broken. So I love the idea that we can automate some parts of it that need to be automated, even something so simple as next steps, booking interviews. If you're going to decline somebody, maybe offer something in return. No, you're not the right fit for this job. However, here's a resource. I know that's something you advocated for years ago. But I think now it's starting to become easier for companies to maybe build that in. And to think we'll ever get to a personalized level, isn't that far-fetched? Seriously, how hard can it be? I just told you my name. (laughs) Like, why can't you use my name rather than dear bracket applicant bracket? There's a lot of things I think that could be done easier, especially when I've taken the time to give you all my information. Could you at least send me something back? that proves to me that you've acknowledged that, yes, I'm a human and this is my work experience and background. Mm. Yeah. So just wanted to start the conversation about candidate experience platforms. So looking into it, honestly, I never really heard the term like passively. And then 
seeing this article, I, I just dug in a little bit deeper. So the key features of a candidate experience platform, personalized job matching, automated communication, pre-hiring assessment, text-based interviews, and candidate experience data analytics. Isn't that what your whole talent platform should be doing, right? If you're looking at what's out there, and there's companies, right? There's several companies doing this. So Qualtrics, Candidate.fyi, Phenom has uh, this type of platform. Yeah, you know what? Anything that can give the candidate a better experience, I'm on board. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. are we just creating more platforms? This is just more noise. So I'm a little confused of how this is different than what the next generation of not ATS, but talent platforms are going to break. It is because the ATS truly was nothing better than digitizing the job application form. That's all it is. This is an, a response to the market and the market is our candidates. And if, if you continue to treat people like crap, they won't come back. And so companies, they know that they needed to do something better than just drive them to a career page and here, fill in this form. How we communicate with people, how we treat people, I believe it is an answer to what the market was asking for. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know if there's a bright future as a standalone platform. I think it should be built with... On top of, yes. uh, On top or which I I believe is what... Phenom does, yeah. We will see, but anything that can improve the candidate experience, I'm on board. It makes a lot of sense. Okay. Last thing. So Universum, if they do a great study, probably one of the biggest studies worldwide, and they break it down into three kind of big buckets of new grad, IT, engineering, and business. So those are pretty big categories. What they do is year over year, they survey thousands of students and come up with key insights that really help us inform our campus recruitment. So what I thought was super interesting is, and if we could maybe include the link to this Universum study, because if you look between page 13 and 17, it talks a lot about when they ask those that are graduating and will be looking for work, what are the things that are important to you? And they broke it down by category that you're graduating in. So what's important to engineering new grads versus business new grads? And then they broke it down by gender. So what was straight across the board was that new grads are most interested in getting a job that's going to improve their future prospects. So yes, that holds true that new grads want big brand names on their resume. What was interesting was when you went to the next section about here's their ideals, but here's the reality of what they actually accept. What I loved about this study, and I'd encourage anyone in new grad programs or in early talent programs, is you need to look past asking the students what they're ideally looking for, because it is very different and distant from what they end up actually accepting. What were the key things that you found that you're like, okay, this shocked me? What shocked me was... The ideal attraction drivers. So when you said in an ideal world, what are the attributes that students say they want in the future? That was the question. And, you know, it's like high future earnings, professional training, good reference for a future career, competitive salary. 
but the difference of what the realities of students' real life priorities, as in what they got from the employer, changed. And so a good reference for a future employer trumped high future earnings. Leadership opportunities and market success were really what students ended up accepting roles for, which was interesting because when you asked about ideal world, leadership opportunities dropped to number 10 Mm. on their list of what they're ideally looking for. I read a recent article talking about it's a huge challenge from new people coming into the workforce as far as they're no longer striving for management because of the additional work. They're just not interested into it. And I think we both have been in management for a long time and I I don't disagree. I think you can build a really strong career by being a really good individual contributor. It's going to be really interesting. You get out of university, you're really focused. The world is your oyster, but then you get dragged, I I don't want to say dragged down, but you get let down or reality hits you really hard. This Mm -hmm. I thought was important to me. Five years in my career is no longer important. This is really what's important to me. So Mm -hmm. it'd be really interesting to see this type of research five, 10, 15 years after exactly Mm -hmm. the same people. But yeah, no, I thought there was some key things in there. When looking at the employers, not surprising, the number one employers that people coming out of university want to go to, Apple, Google, then JP Morgan, which actually increased from 2022, was number seven and is now number three, Amazon, Microsoft, Deloitte, Goldman Sachs, L'Oreal Group is in there. So I guess a big brand is still critical, right? Yes, but I think you tweaked on something very interesting about where they were last year versus this year. This study also proved that industry preferences and companies are influenced by layoffs and economic uncertainty. So for example, business students say they preferred working in management consulting, which is why we saw Deloitte and Ernst & Young move up in their rankings in KPMG. They're in the top 10. So three of the big global names in management consulting, which is interesting because it has overtaken banking as business students' top industry preference. Auditing and accounting industries as well are facing a huge challenge because of their reputation of long hours and flexible schedule, low compensation compared to the amount of education required driving accounting students to jobs in other industries like finance and financial analysis or financial services or management consulting. So I think the banking industry is facing a huge challenge to try and attract early well, talent. JP Morgan was seven and now they're three. But, but uh, they're, they are finance and financial analysis. Uh, yeah, okay. They're not banking, right? Yeah. Okay. Makes yeah. Sense. yeah. Perfect. Shelly, I really yeah. appreciate you tolerating this really <laughs> weird voice and for everyone listening i promise you next week my voice will be back to normal so thank you everyone for listening we really appreciate it okay get well soon au revoir shelly let's face it texting candidates is the easiest way to hire quicker today But your cell phone doesn't connect to your ATS. You're sharing your personal number with strangers. That's pretty scary, right, Shelly? And Mm -hmm. it's not even legally compliant. 
Mm, this is where our friends at Rectex come in. They've created simple yet powerful text recruiting software that works with your ATS. Plus, it's designed by recruiters for recruiters, so you know it works. To learn more and book a demo, visit www.rectxt.com, mention the Recruitment Flex, and get 10% off annual plans. 